Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hardcover Hooligans podcast. My name is Mac, and as always, I'm with Danilo. Danilo, I have a question for you. Oh, a question? I get asked a question now. This is very exciting. Uh, When you look in the mirror, do all you see staring back at you is a greedy, envious, things-wanting, egoist profiteer? Um, I've realized that the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I believe the answer for a lot of us is yes. Uh, I think it's 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 very interesting to me when uh there's a moment in this where they mention a character has a blanket and another character is like hey fuck you man <laughs> no it's a, or the character has like a blanket that's a like a fun color like it's yeah. orange and he's like fuck orange fuck you and your orange blanket get it changed so it's like yeah. gray he says diet dirty green brother <laughs> um okay so this week, everybody, we are uh, discussing chapters one through six, uh, stopping before reading chapter seven of The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin. Ursula K. Le Guin is perhaps most known for her uh, Earthsea series of, of books. I believe uh, I believe that is not a controversial statement to say. The Earthsea books are for children. They are uh, child's books. This book... I can imagine somebody who has a certain political beliefs reading this and perhaps being annoyed <laughs> <laughs> or frustrated or very frustrated that that uh you know she Ursula Kayla Gwynn puts it all out on the table man. I've been I've been really really enjoying this uh yeah, she I doesn't know, pull any punches. No, no. And there's not uh I don't know, it all feels very very on purpose so far not like uh our friend <laughs> our friend from uh weeks and weeks of torture Danilo, what were your general thoughts about the uh the section we we read did you enjoy it did you have any glaring issues with it i maybe it's because it's been so long since we've read something good for this podcast i was like wow this is excellent yeah me too <laughs> it's like someone it's someone who cares about ideas and stories and the written word in a deep way and like human beings like it's not a weird it's not a weird magic video game tutorial section it's like these are human beings with souls (laughs) who have feelings and thoughts you know yeah who don't fit in and that's i think that's the the coming like I knew of this book and sort of knew it as like oh you know there's one planet that's like the utopian anarchists and it's basically like what if you know anarchists got what they wanted their own planet to make their society how they wanted to that's basically what this book is yeah and i guess i sort of expected it to be i mean it is very political I think I was very surprised, pleasantly so, and I think it's probably the main strength of the book is, like, the human element of it. Like, it is hyper-focused on, like, these characters and what they think and feel and how being in this world affects them and their thoughts and their, like, worldview, basically. Yeah. It it doesn't feel like propaganda. (laughs) It doesn't just feel like uh, a classic, like... Dime store sci-fi novel that's just like, uh, here's a cool idea and that's it, and it's all just about this cool idea. Mm-hmm. I think she's very she's very obsessed with how 
these people obsessed in a good way of how these people, if given like the, one of the big themes of this is the failure of the utopia, utopia, like the impossibility utopia is, is not a real thing and it can never be a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and our main character, Dr. Shevek is, uh, is a man who is at both, uh, he he is he is being torn apart uh mentally because at, at, on the one hand he is like a true believer in their like it it is referred to as anarcho syndicalist uh you can think of it as like i cuz they they argue about they they talk about all this stuff too so it feels weird mm-hmm. like us having this discussion when characters in the book literally talk about the same stuff it's it's yeah. i think that's fascinating that's super awesome but try to think of it is it's not communism it's like no cuz they have cuz the, the whole idea is that it's there's no way to get social power like it's all set up so that like no one person or one group of people can like oppress any other individual or individuals. So they like they don't have laws. They yeah. and the but like the way they get stuff done is sort of by like work rotations, which like are optional. They're just sort of, you know, quote unquote enforced by like what the people around you think of you. Yeah. You know, and it's a it, it, machine. Yeah. And the, the, the book goes, I was also surprised by like, Oh, it goes into like, what about the people who don't fit in and don't wear? And that's sort of what this book is about too. Like what the, there's a system that includes everyone and like, no one is oppressed, but also like what ha still, there's always going to be people who don't fit into the main thing and sort of what, happens with them and so like the whole syndicate thing is like that's how they get like work done on this planet there's these like basically like councils of people who decide like who gets assigned where and none of it's like compulsory and you can like ask to get it changed and then there's the whole part of it where there's like all these these computers that randomly assign people things based on what they need and i think that's going to be more relevant uh coming up um, yeah, I think so. I definitely <laughs> think so. <laughs> the fact that all the work is split up by computers, which I think we should talk about at some point. Yes, a very uh, terrifying. Uh, it's one of those science. You read a science fiction book and you're like, "Oh, that's scary." That <laughs> she was yeah, right like, about that. A, char- a character's <laughs> like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, the computers keep assigning me to this one specific thing." Yeah, the, <laughs> and as sci-fi keep a, readers, yeah. you're like. There it is. <laughs> yeah, they keep assigning a musician to physical labor job because the uh, syndicate that runs the music hates his music. Yeah, and that's one of the moments that sort of radicalize. They they also talk about this. Should Doctor Shavek struggles with like being radicalized against the radical movement that is like started this whole. Okay, so there's two. I don't even think we said this. There's two plant. <laughs> there's two planets. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like both they're both moons of each other, basically. Yes. Uh, uh, and I, I don't know how I'm just going to Uras Uras Uras. I say I say Uras Uras. Yeah, sure. Uras yeah. and Anaries. Okay, Anaries. Um, Great. Uras uh, is a think of it. It's Earth. 
Like it's what you would imagine Ross, Earth is Earth. like. Yes. She made, so this is a great thing. Is she made it very easy. I was confused at the beginning. And like, oh, Uros is Earth. Like it's green. And Anaris is the one with the anarchists on it. Very <laughs> yes. easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, so think of Uros like Earth in that it's, I don't know, there's like tree. It's just like there's, you look outside, there's animals and trees and water. There, there's countries. <laughs> yeah. There are countries and there's governments. There's money. I guess maybe specifically Urus, uh, the main a, a I don't a io a dash io yeah it's what the country is called io io yeah io is is the that's the country that uh, Doctor Shavek, who is from Anaris, uh, goes to is the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, that's a good yeah. shorthand, um, and we learn more about maybe other countries in this world that aren't the United States. Uh, but a- AIO is the United States for all intents and purposes. Urus is what is referred to as a profiteering, uh, society, which is just capitalism. Yeah. And, um, and like propertarian, like the thing with the anarchists. Oh, proper, that's what I meant. Yeah. Not profiteering. Yeah. <laughs> the, not and the thing pirates. with the anarchists <laughs> is like, they don't believe in personal property and there's like actual, you know, anarchist stuff sprinkled throughout the book. Um, and so the the story of these worlds is there was this philosopher named Odo or Otto or something. Yeah, and Odo. she started this anarchist movement on Uras, and sort of it got out of hand. And then the the planet like Uras like, hey, if you guys want to be anarchists so bad, here's go to the moon. And do your thing there <laughs> and stop bothering us, basically. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And that was like, I think, 160 years ago in the past. So now, like, full several generations have, you know, were born, lived, and died on this moon, which is Anaris, which is where our main character comes from. And the book sort of starts like, we don't really know who he is or like why he's going. It's him getting on a ship to leave. Anaris to go to Uras. Yeah. And uh Uras is um a real desolate piece of think I mean or Anaris. Like an atmosphere. Oh yeah, sorry. Anaris is a is a real desolate uh piece of shit place. Um there's like an atmosphere like they can they don't need like spacesuits mm-hmm. to be outside. Um but there it's just like a desert and it hardly ever rains and there's only one area where there's any green at all. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens to be in like the main city where all the computers are that give everybody their jobs. And Uras is like normal. It's just, uh, like earth. There's there's animals, there're ecosystems. And I think yeah. and on and on Anaris there's like a there's no like a land. There's like there's no really land animals. You know, there like there aren't any there's, animals. There's a bunch of fish, but like there yeah. aren't any land animals. There's and a so, bunch and of everyone, terrifying fish. Yeah, <laughs> and part of the Anaris and the anarchism is that they're also all vegetarian, and they only yeah. eat products that they grow, and only a certain limited things grow. There's these hollow. They're called holland yeah, trees, trees, and they're not native to the planet, but they're like imported, and they can like survive there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the those are the two worlds. Uh, uh, the The general plot of the novel is that Doctor Shavek, um, our main character, is he, he will not call himself a doctor because they don't believe in titles, right? They don't believe in rank, right? But the, we, yeah, that is true. So sh- we don't have a, nobody has a last name, 
Um, they have last names on Urus, uh, but they don't have last names. Oh, I didn't uh, notice that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's if that's uh, actually true, but I, I, if I am not mistaken, none of the people on uh, Anaries are ever referred to with a last name, and people because, on because like for the also like there's no family structure, right? Exactly. Or like family structure is optional. Like yeah. you know, you can have kids, and then like your parents can be in your life or not, or like one of them is. Or, like, is for a little bit. And so, like, it is a very, like, communal. There's places that, like, raise kids for you. And, you know, like, Shavek, like, grew up with his dad. And, like, his mom left. And so, like, they are all very sort of socially free to do what they want. Yeah. Which doesn't mean there are no emotional consequences. (laughs) But, (laughs) like, it's also... Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, uh, he has, uh, Shavek has stumbled across, he's a brilliant physicist, he's a fucking genius, so much so yep. that he, he doesn't really have any friends, or, <laughs> or like, uh, he feels very, he, I don't know if you caught this, he is mm-hmm. Oppenheimer, uh, that oh. is the intention, uh, cause their family, Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, Oppenheimer, they were friends with him, and she, oh, her whoa, as a, I had no idea. Yeah. That's her, so cool. She, her as a little girl would see him and be like, wow, he's weird, and then, uh, <laughs> and then based Shavek off of Oppenheimer, which also... <laughs> and, then, and then her parents were like, he made the atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think it might still work, like, the, uh, like, nuclear physics... Uh, nuclear physics and and Oppenheimer and what they discovered could ha- didn't necessarily have to be used for a bomb. Just like Shavek is creating a certain physics uh, tool to hopefully unite societies, but mm-hmm. I highly doubt that that's <laughs> going to turn out the way that he wants it to. And and his whole thing is he grew up being brilliant on this planet, and he sort of like outgrew it because the the society is very. Like, one, it's exiled from the home planet. And, like, it is very sort of, like, uniform. And so, like, there isn't any room for him to, like, be better or do crazy stuff. Because there's, like, no one for him to talk to or interact with. And his big thing is he, his sort of life's work is to invent uh, faster than light travel. And in this section, we we get the, the drop that... He has it. It's just in his head. He's not writing yeah. it down. Yeah. Um. So they can travel. I, I'm a little unclear about everything I'm about to say. I am. I am. There are other aliens referred to. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're in the same solar system. Is, are they? Uh, or are they like across a galaxy and they've never met them? And like they're going to use this. Uh, physics, the simul, the principle of simultaneity, mm-hmm. uh, to travel to these planets and meet them slash conquer them. I, I was un- yeah. I was unsure I was unclear of of what the larger galactic map uh, of this uh, universe looks like. Yeah. So what I think it is is like in this system there are these two planets or these two moons, and I think for a while it was just these. And then at some point in the somewhat recent past, they made contact with, I would imagine, other solar systems. Probably, I mean, galaxy seems like too far. I would imagine yeah. it's like another solar system. And there's planets there. And I guess it 
took it takes a long time for them to like transmit radio signals because I mentioned that like the first contact was uh, via radio, and they're I mean that we say aliens, they're all humans. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. Or like varieties of humans, and then part of the book is you know them talking about like how they differentiate. Yeah, uh, themselves from other people, and so the idea is that with this fashion light travel, they can connect their societies closer yeah. together. And not to put myself on blast, but I I got no fucking clue what they're talking about when they're talking about physics. Uh, <laughs> I, I I imagine it's all made up future physics. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but I, well, even then, I'm like, oh boy, like I'm rereading the sections, trying to be like, okay, so. Because uh, Shavek is always arguing with these people from uh, Urus via letters, and they're, like, constantly disproving each other's theories. And there's mm-hmm. large sections of the book where we get what those theories are called and, like, what they pertain to. But mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't really know if you need to understand what they're talking about to get what they're talking about, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right, yeah. They're just, it's like, they're arguing about physics, and Shavek is brilliant. Basically. Yes, and it's like all vaguely related to, um, I'm gonna say time travel, but like to time and space. So there was like they talk about like sequence theory, like whatever sequence theory is. Like I'm assuming it's like a theory that events take place one after yeah. another, and then if like the theory of simultaneity, which is what Shavek has figured out, like if time is happening simultaneously, maybe that helps them achieve faster than light travel because there was like some something like that i think that's like the idea so that's i mean that's you know it's it's hard to there's no sport <laughs> nothing happens in this book uh that <laughs> but is like in a good interesting yeah, yeah, way <laughs> yes yeah there's no like bad guy like there's no reveals like it's it's just a very interesting story about a a, a genius it's it's a very interesting science fiction story about Oppenheimer developing the nuclear bomb, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, viewed through the lens of uh, science fiction, um, and I think uh, that's all the general stuff that you need to know before we go into the to the uh, to the actual specifics of what happens in these sections. Great. the The book opens on the terrible moon of Anaris, um, and the first thing we learn about in Aries is that there's this wall uh there's this it's like a like a three feet high stone wall that mm-hmm. uh runs across um and around the port of in Aries, which is a spaceport and there there the reason that there's a wall is it, it is a more of a metaphorical wall than what would really keep people out but the only things that come in f- to the port of Inares are from the planet Urus, and pe- they, the people of Inares, fucking hate the people <laughs> who live on Urus because they view them as like these dirty capitalists, and all of the things mm-hmm. they know about them they learn in school, and the things that they learn in school are like, I mean, God, there's a part of this book where there's like mountains of dead babies, like they just see like all the war. They get all the they they get all of the yeah. the news information about all the bad shit that's happening on this planet, mm-hmm. and and like just basic stuff like oh, they have a society that lets people starve for no reason when yeah. like they could not, 
And, like, that's to them is, like, untenable. They're like, why would you have a society like that? That's just, like, evil. Which, yeah. like, fair point. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, but a, a man is being hurried along across the wall to the port of Venaries, and some of the people, like, there's a, there's a bunch of people at this wall, and they're waiting to see who's coming. Um, and when they realize that somebody actually snuck through and is being, like, carry the armed guards are escorting him to the port they get mad and like charge over the wall and start throwing rocks uh and they're getting pissed off and that man is dr shavek because he's going to be the first person in over 160 years to visit uh the other planet because there have mm-hmm. been no visitors from urus and there have no have been no visitors from Inaries. yeah and the people who like pilot the urus and i think the like the name for them is like urasti and yeah. then the people who uh, from Anaris are like the Anaresti, yeah, um, have just been the people on the ships, and they don't even get out of the ship. Like there's some nominal trade because uh, uh, Anaris doesn't have all the resources to do everything themselves. Yeah, they need. But, and this becomes, and, but this becomes relevant that they Anaris they do a lot of mining on Anaris, and send and like trade for that and that they get like some plants and trees and a fabric and stuff they can't make themselves and they send over in what it feels like an inordinate amount of precious and valuable metals to anaris like it's described (laughs) as like it is one of the largest events yearly events in the urasti uh stock market is when these shipments of like precious metals come in from anaris which is a very interesting dynamic that I think we should talk about it at some point. Yeah, because it's it's cool. I mean, we can we can talk about it now. Oh the, yeah, uh, Anaris. They don't have. They have no. There's no money. There's no yeah. trading of goods and services in the same way that like a capitalist society would trade goods and services. So mm-hmm. they just view gold and platinum and all these precious metals as just a bunch of metal. Like who cares metal? Like gold is functionally incredibly weak metal. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't use it. Yeah, because in their society, they just like take what they need and everything they need is provided for them like they don't there's really personal property doesn't really exist like it does but also it's like not important you know yeah because the distinction of having i think i think the the idea of possession in this book is super cool just like thinking about what it means is it natural is it artificial like inhumanity i don't know i think it's very yeah cool. no it's i think it's cool too uh yeah so oh fuck what was i just gonna say oh we were talking about the metals and so like they i think this is this i might be putting the car before the horse a little bit here we talked about the computers that divide the labor to try ah, to yes. limit um like dissent and maintain a you know sort of more um not not monotonous but like let like keep the society the same Here's my theory. I think the people from Uras are controlling, have some measure of control over those computers that divide the labor. Because this is mentioned, having the Anaresti mine all this precious metals for them is much cheaper than if they had to mine it for themselves. So, like, they're trying to maintain... This is my theory, is they're trying to maintain this anarchist society because it basically provides cheap mining for them. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I didn't think about that. That's That's my theory. That's good. I like that. Uh, Oh, what I was going to say before was just... uh, You might be wondering 
you know, the the common argument against like an anarcho commune is like, well, how how do they not just fucking kill and murder and assault each other all the time? And it's that like they can't be they they live in such a shitty place that there's no time for that. Like everybody is is working. You don't get paid. You get to survive. Like everybody is working mm-hmm. to to try to. Uh, because they live on a desert, so they don't really eat a lot of food. Uh, they don't have mm-hmm. access to a lot of food, and they all need to work together quickly, or they they will their society will c- crumble in the in the span of like a year. Like if well, everybody this, didn't and, do anything. And this is brought up because that's not like to them. That's not what it like feels like. It feels like they're living in this utopia, but it is brought up like if they didn't they would die and like whether like is that truly a utopia then like if it's because they they talk a lot about you know coercion is wrong uh you shouldn't coerce people to do anything um but like they're sort of in a situation where this the their environment is shaping what they need to do and like whether whether that is like you know you you put does that supersede like the utopian philosophy or is like the utopian philosophy uh is is like pure or not because it's like influenced by the environment which i think is is a question this brings up another thing that the book brings up and they talk a lot about is the um like work like people being like oh you know if no one if there's no if no one's forcing you to work why would you work and there's a lot of little passages they talk about like especially where Shavek he's like you know we're on this planet like he they like they like flip the script where he's like I would have thought that if you replace the natural human drive to do work with like coercion and incentive it would kill it but it doesn't yeah which is interesting because then, like you know, on our in our world and on our planet, like there's no recognition that there's just an innate desire for people to do things, right? And he brings it up in like a he has like a dinner party where like on Urus where the guy's like, so like if you don't if there's no money, like why does anyone do any work? And he's like, you know, people like to do things, you know. Yeah, that's it what is... that's like the natural incentive of human beings. Uh. In this entire section, it's also important to note that Shavek has yet to meet a poor person. Yeah. Like, he's yet to in- interact with the... So far, Urus seems fucking awesome. Like, like, and Shavek, Shavek is very quickly starts... They, they speak different languages. Um, the people on Urus speak Iotic, and the spe- people on Aneri uh, um, speak Pravik. Um, I believe, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's kind of funny the way it's written so when two characters from Anaris are talking to each other. We get these flashback moments of Shavek's childhood. The dialogue is written a little strangely. Like there's no uh, nobody ever says my house or mm-hmm. like my. They don't have possessive pronouns because they don't have things. Um, they do have things. It's kind of hypocritical, but that's also part of the book. The mm-hmm. the uh, Arasti people um, and the language of Iotic is just how like we speak. They say uh, they have everybody. You have titles. You're a Mister or a Mrs. Uh, you're a Doctor. Um, 
Uh, you have like and, a mom and a dad, and like yeah, like that's a that's a blood relationship. Whereas like Ananaris, it's like it's brother sort and of sister. Any adult, yeah, it's brother and sister for like equals. But like you could have one or more sort of parent figures yeah. in your life because they might a- actually be your actual parents because they may have like dropped you off and went on to like do other things. And it might yeah. be just people you know. Like the whole like familiar relationship is off and i i really like the language stuff that also surprised me about this too i think it was it's like handled super well where it's like it's evocative but it doesn't feel like it's in the way no yeah i never like honestly i uh, until they brought it up it, i didn't really like i had noticed it but didn't wasn't paying much attention to it and i was like oh yeah that has been happening the whole time like i went back and checked and it is like how they talk in the flashback scenes there are and, just, and she sort of writes it like if they're talking and it's like sort of awkward and he doesn't have full grasp of the language she like writes the english in a way that's kind of like halting yeah. and strange which i think is a really cool way of doing it instead of like trying to throw a weird crazy accent <laughs> on every character the uh just this is the who published this yeah this is the harper perennial um uh copy of the book that uh, i have there are a lot of typos in it yeah i, <laughs> I saw I, that I, too i don't under I, I at first there's so many typos that i was like oh this has to be on purpose i don't think that's true i just think it's a it's just it's just one of those things, but it's funny like how it pertains to language. Like sometimes the narratorial voice is also written strangely, but it's not. Uh, nothing is misspelled. It's like the wrong. Like it'll say when it means to say, uh, uh, they went to the domicile. It'll be like they went to domicile or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's been it's it's very strange. Uh, we are not the only other people have noticed that too. Yeah, I'm sure the printing just hasn't been revisited since it was published. Cause like, ah, we need more. <laughs> yeah, we need more. Uh, print more like wind. Uh, <laughs> We're not gonna look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So after uh, Shavek arrives on uh, Urus, he's there because he just won uh, an award for physics. I did not write down the name of the university because I have no f- fucking clue how to say it. It's like he's I- at a Yoon. he's at a big university. Like yeah. there's crazy sci-fi names for everything. It's like you yeah. Un or something. <laughs> yeah, he's on this uh, this big university, and he just won a physics award that they give out at the university. Um, but he's been well, corresponding. Sort of like the Nobel Prize. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, yeah. I guess it is the Nobel Prize. He's won the Nobel Prize in physics. Um, He's won the Erosted Nobel Prize in Physics, uh, mm-hmm. which is is a big deal. Is a big deal, and he's been invited to this this planet, and they treat him really well, uh, almost mm-hmm. too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like pay for his hotel room, and he like has a bank account with his like winnings in money, which yeah was it was super interesting because like he's never had money before or values it (laughs) and it 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 describes like at first he was like kind of amused by it but like by this like number he has somewhere but then it's described as like sort of the longer he has it and like the bigger it gets because he keeps getting paid for like doing these lectures and stuff it will sort of like fill him with like concern he's like oh this is actually a serious thing i have you know which is which is fascinating to think about yeah it's it was it's very cool um, so he is, uh, Shavek is being u- ushered around to parties and award ceremonies and lectures, uh, and he's sort of noticing everybody just sort of, like, nods at him, 
very knowingly. Like he <laughs> he keeps talking to very smart people, uh, but he starts to get fed up with it that nobody's like arguing with him. And still, he has not seen a poor person because he right. his whole mission his whole mission is to be like I want to bring the world together. I want to like tear down walls. Um, and he like talks about all this stuff, and he and he uh, he talks about how everyone sort of nods and smiles at him and says, "How true, how true." Yeah, that's that's what it was. <laughs> and they don't engage with it, and then he starts like hating them and resenting yeah. them. Yeah. Um, in the every other chapter, starting on chapter two, uh, we get we get flashbacks. They're, they are flashback moments of Shavek's mm-hmm. life. Um, chapter two is from a childhood, very early childhood to like, I don't know, he's like 14. Is that, does Something that sound like right? that? Yeah. Uh, like they middle don't have school. High, yeah. They don't have like elementary school, middle school, high school. There's just like the academy or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so Shavek, when he's a kid is, is, there's a moment where he's speaking to a teacher and he presents the teacher with this idea of it's his, it's his early ideas of like this physics conundrum he has stumbled upon. Uh, and it's this, uh, amusing scenario that she didn't come up with. Like, this is a scenario I'm sure listener you've thought about before, but like, if you throw a rock at a tree, that rock if you think about things as being halfway between one point and another, that rock mm. will never reach that tree because it is always going to have halfway of a halfway of a halfway to go. And it will only ever gone halfway when you've thrown it. Uh, the teacher does not like this and kicks Shavek <laughs> out of his classroom. Oh, it's, uh, and it's, it's called Zeno's paradox. Yeah. Zeno's paradox. Um, and, and the teacher really doesn't like it. Uh, and kicks him out. And it's the first moment in Shavek's life where he's like, oh boy, uh, I don't think I'm going to get along with people ever. <laughs> yeah, he like, yeah, he like doesn't, the way like he thinks and the ideas he has like doesn't really fit in with the society. Like he still believes in it, but like he f- he's limited by it. And that's sort of the story of his, sort of his whole life. Yeah. He, uh... We he also has a dad. He he has mm-hmm. a he's a mom and a dad. Um, what's his name? Oh my god, Pr- uh, Palat. Yeah, Palat. Palat. Yeah. Palat and Rulog. His mom mom's name is his mom's name is Rulog. Um, he his mom like skipped town on them, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, his dad and and him get along really well, uh, and they have a very loving relationship. Um, that we see during this flashback. Uh, and then we move forward in time a little bit. And there's this super bizarre section of the children of this class learning about prison, which I feel mm-hmm. like we need to talk about, even though yeah. it feels very, uh, like, I don't know. I am maybe haunted is a dramatic word, but can't stop thinking about this yeah. part of the book. Uh, do you want to explain what it is, Danilo? Sure, sure, sure. So they have, uh, they're like in middle school or like late elementary school and they have like a rusty expert. It's like they're <laughs> it's like when your school gives like the sex puberty talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's they exactly have a, what it is. That's totally what it is. Like they have a 
another person come in who's like an expert <laughs> and he's like okay so you need to know this about the world on this other planet so they have this thing called prison where they put people against their will and all the kids are like but why can't they just leave it's like oh because there's a lock on the door and I'm like oh why but then why is there a lock like why can't other people let them out <laughs> you know yeah. or like oh, how do they get in there if they don't want to go? It's like they use force to get them in there. It's like, why does no one stop this? Like, oh, because, like, the judge does a sentence. So they're like, judge? Like, what's that? So they have to, like, explain the whole idea of, like, this coercive justice system that these children have no conception of. Like, the idea of being made to do things against your will. Yeah. These kids who don't even have to show up to school if they don't want to learn about the idea of prison. (laughs) Due to, like, threat of bodily harm. Like, that's the thing of what it all comes down to. And they find this idea, like, amusing. Like, the way you'd find, you know, uh, uh, you know, stories about, like, you know, you, like, play cowboys. Like, you think that's really fun. You learn about cowboys. And they, like, decide to play prison. Yeah. Where they're like, (laughs) oh... We found this area under the stairs, and we're gonna like gonna put this heavy rock in front of it so you can't get out. And like, how how long do you want to be in there? Uh, and there's like, oh no, I want to go first. I want to go first. Uh, and then one of them decides to go first, and he's like in there for like twenty minutes. And he comes out like, how was it? He's like, I mean, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. And then they put a kid in. He's like, I want to do it for real. Like, put me in there like overnight. And they like put him in there overnight. And don't and they, let me out. Like he, the, it's important. He's like, no, it has to be real prison. You have to force me in there and not let me out when I want to be let out. And then he goes there all night, and they, uh, and Shavek is like, is filled with guilt all day. When he's like, throws up. He's like nauseous at like the idea of making someone do something they don't want to. And they finally like, let him out, and like this kid has like this haunted look and he's covered <laughs> in like piss and shit and they like never talk about it again. Yeah, it's it's uh it's such as <laughs> I don't know I don't know even know what is the adjective I'm looking for. It's like really scary. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 so it, interesting. It just highlights how Something we see as so normal and part of every day is so, like, unnatural or, like, un, un unjustifiable. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It is unjustifiable. Like, like so, so much of, like, what the Anaris... Like, it, it gets into criticisms of this whole thing, but, like, the idea... A lot of what it highlights, like, reading about, like, the people growing up in this culture is, like, how unjustifiable and unbased in like reality or human dignity so many of like our own ideas about how the world should be and how people should be organized like are yeah yeah it's fascinating it is fascinating um uh after so back on uh back on the on on the uh present timeline uh shivek is like unbelievably bored <laughs> and he's so sick of just fucking talking to these yes men and and mm-hmm. uh oh this is important we haven't said this yet there's no women don't do anything on uh urus yeah they uh, can't they, go to college no they just cook and they just cook and clean and stuff and on an they just women are just you know 
the equal equal to men. And so uh Shivek is is he finds that incredibly weird. Um and along with not really getting along with anybody, um he really wants to start teaching at the university, which he he's not there to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just but, bored. <laughs> yeah, he's just bored. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I think I'll teach you a really complicated physics physics class, <laughs> which we've all been there, you know. <laughs> um, so he he endeavors to teach this class, and we get uh, we get to see firsthand the clash of Anaresti ideals and Erasti ideals when it comes to education, because uh, there's no like tests or grades on Anaris. Mm-hmm. And no one has to go, and, like, there's no one who, like, gets in. Like, the Shavek's whole story is he, like, in his little region, he was really good. And then, like, some teacher in the region was like, hey, you should go to the the main, this, like, the central academy. And then, then he went and was there. And, like, that was the whole, there's not, like, he didn't, like, apply right. and have to, like, wait to get in and, like, pay tuition and, like, apply for a scholarship. Like, he just, like, walked there one day and yeah. started doing physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So when he tries to apply those same school teaching ideals um, at this academy on Urus, the school board gets really pissed off <laughs> because he's not grading them or ma- giving he them any have tests. Assignments. Yeah. No, he's just like you just come and hang out. And I think it's described like thousands of people show up for the first lecture. Because imagine uh-huh. the fuck a man from the moon comes and is like, I want to teach at your school. <laughs> I'd be like, hell yeah, yeah, I'm going to that class. And he doesn't talk about like I think they came like, oh, he's gonna like talk about stuff. And he was really he just did complicated physics and people are like oh okay there he's not yeah. gonna like he didn't have any politics or he didn't proselytize or anything like he just taught physics yeah uh and and he still uh people leave but he still has it's described as hundreds of students come to visit yeah. him and he assigns them just bullshit work because he has to <laughs> yeah like the like he wasn't assigning anything and the the administration was like you have to assign something and he's like why would i Assign like if they want to do stuff, they can. I'm not gonna make them do stuff. Yeah. And then the students were like, and he's like, "Fine, I'll give them a paper, but you can write it on anything you want, and I'm gonna give everyone the same grade." And the <laughs> students came up to him and like, "That's a, like, tell us what to write." And he's like, "Why do I need to tell you what to write? Like, surely you have some idea what you want to like explore." And he's like, and then there, then the students were all like butt hurt because like. But if you give us all the same grade, like, how do we know, like, why should people who work hard get the same grade as the at credit as, like, the lazy students who don't work as hard? And he's like, if you don't want to work hard, you don't have to work hard. Like, yeah. it's very, like, um, uh, the work is its own reward rather yeah. than the work is towards something else. And, like, that's, like, a huge cultural difference between these two planets where like you know on our planet like a lot of work is only justified based on its results or its product does it make money motivation yeah does it make money does it give you some sort of reward either like social standing or something but like on anaris they're like oh you should do it because you want to because it's good to do things you like to do you know yeah yeah, a big theme of the book is intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation mm-hmm. and about how uh it seems like nobody on Urus has any intrinsic motivation. They just do it uh they I mean they talk about 
<laughs> I'm sure anybody who's read this book and has gone to college and interacted with an, a, a great professor has felt a little guilty about um, is just using school as a stepping stone to to further your own like selfish beliefs like taking a class from the man on the moon just so that you can make more money uh not because he's from the fucking moon and you want to learn from him or the or the the university uh this a prestigious university like basically gets the man on the moon and like that's a marketing thing, so they can show what a good university they are. Yeah, they talked about because Shavek was like getting a tour, and like the admins were talking about like, oh, you know, our application system is super rigorous, and only few, only the best get in. Therefore, it's democratic. And he's like, you put another lock on the door, and you call it democracy, <laughs> which <Yes>. is like, <laughs> hell yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shavek would be. Shavek would be really, really cool if he wasn't so, uh, so shy. <laughs> well, and he's like, and this comes up in the section, like, he's very, because of his beliefs, he's, like, naive. Yeah, naive is a, the, yeah. From, like, the motivations of the people around him on this planet. Like, he, yeah. he treats everyone as an individual and approaches them on an individual level because those are the only relationships that exist on an artist. Right. But we'll get into that when we get to the other section where, like, oh, these physicists from these different countries who he sees as, like, peers are actually, like... Spies. Spies. (laughs) (laughs) And he, like, doesn't understand. Yeah. It, like, makes no sense to him. Yeah, so he's, he's, uh, you know, he's teaching and living his life and is, is finding, like, he's... How quickly he is getting swept up in this Erosti lifestyle that he's maybe not forgetting, but... Or maybe procrastinating is also the wrong word, but like he's like, oh, I'll try to unite these. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do all this unification work when I get to it. <laughs> like, well, I think he also, I think he thought that he could go around and say a bunch of things, and people would listen to him and be like, yeah, that's true, and then they do it, you know? Yeah, but that's not but what's like happening. that's not because like that could potentially happen on Anaris because like people talk to each other, listen to each other, and listen what other people have to say more or less. Yeah, but here they're like there's just such an insane system of motivations that they just say how true and then <laughs> yeah keep doing what they've always been doing. Yeah, it's not. Um, I I I am sort of like amazed how, how interesting. Like, because a lot of the ideas presented in this book, I feel like are pretty set. Not simple, but like it's like boilerplate, like yeah. leftist stuff. Yeah, like yeah, if yeah, you yeah. if you thought this book, and this I went into this where it's like if you thought this book, if you if I just told you the ideas what this book is about, you're like, oh, it's just saying how like this is good, and the the system we have on Earth is bad, and we should change it. But like that's not what this book is. No, it's just like it's it's like about the it's about this guy. You know, like, and like his, how these systems have influenced him in his life. Because it's all stuff like, what if we didn't have laws? Laws are bad. <laughs> yeah. What if we didn't have money? Because money's bad. What? Why do we let people starve if we have enough food? Yeah. I mean, we at this point we have talked about sort of all of the big plot points that happen. I feel, or mm-hmm. we we mentioned them. I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Yeah. Um, 
there's a section where uh, it's another flashback chapter where there's this guy that Shavek was friends with when he was a kid. His name is Bedep, Bedep, Bedap. Um, I think Bedap because then his nickname is Dap. They call him Dap, yeah, which is cool. <laughs> it is cool. Um, so Bedap is this guy. Uh, he's he he's he's kind of like. Imagine what a hippie would be in a <laughs> group of the most hippiest hippies of all time. He's annoying. He, like he is yeah. he is hilariously annoying and, and people find him annoying because he's always like, I don't know, man. This whole thing is <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> like on the uh and the whole thing with his planet is like you know, this was our planet is a revolution and we are in a continuous <laughs> yeah. revolution. Uh, you know, like all the basic revolutionary stuff if you made it a society. And this yeah. guy's like, man, they're they're keeping us down and they're all like, <laughs> yeah. like you live in a it's like it's like funny. <laughs> it is funny. Um but he's also right. Uh right, the, the yeah. brings up this idea that like there is a government. It's a and uh, Shavek is staunchly, he gets r- right away super pissed off because uh, he's a he's a real Odonian. Like, that's what the the uh, political belief of mm-hmm. these people are, um, because there's this woman n- named Odo yeah. who 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 never actually had to live on this moon, which mm-hmm. is important. But has like the Id- leader of the revolution. Uh, yeah. This idea us. of this a- anarcho commune uh, and how it could could uh survive and thrive and it would solve all the issues with the urasti right society and badap is like yeah that's all well and good but when we actually do it and there is no government one still pops up and it's a government of social hierarchy like being bullied because you don't want to do something is not freedom that is just how a state would bully you into doing something in a capitalist society, just like mm-hmm. Urus has, and it's not even bullying. It's like, like it's sort of bullying, but then it's it's also like public shame and like yeah, what other people think of you. And this made me think a lot about, and it's not even a government; it's just like a system, and like how a system is different from a government. Yeah, because like, in order to have a society. You need to have a way of organizing society. And and, and Badat brings this up where he's like, you know, on Uras, it might be the minority rule. But here on Anaris, we have majority rule. Like, that still also excludes some people. Yeah. From doing things. Meaning, like, on Uras, they have, like, lawmakers and stuff who make yeah, decisions. Yeah, and, like, for... capitalists who have money and can exert power. But, like, here, yeah. they're like, oh, the you know, the... The primary thing that society's organized around is this not social conformity, but like social expectation. And like yeah. that it that like that is still just like if you organize your whole society around money, like the fact that a society has to be organized around something is like inherently uh not oppressive, but like sort of yeah, inherently will result in not everyone being fully free. Yeah. And I think that's something what this book is trying to say. Like, no matter what you organize a society around, there will be some measure of unfairness, injustice, and inequality. Yeah. There will be some people who find themselves dispossessed, if you will. <laughs> um, the So, yeah, Shavek and Badap are arguing uh, all the time. And they also... Okay, so... 
If you're unfamiliar with Ursula K. Le Guin's work, she has this... Oh, my God. Is it the left hand of darkness? The one... Th- yes. Which is... Th- is that the one where the non-binary planet... Yep. Yep. Okay. She has this, like, seminal work of fiction about, like, the the, the trans experience and, and being non-binary. Uh, and it was written in, like, 1968. <laughs> before uh, this book. <laughs> yes, before this book. Um, so, so... And sexuality is a very is a recurring uh, a theme or, or a idea in mm-hmm. Le Guin's work. Like, I think almost literally every single time, aside from, like, Earthsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this in this book, and we see it here, too, they talk about sex a lot um, in the way that uh, how the Aenares works, where people just, like, I don't know, they're like, hey, do you want to... Do you want to fuck for ten days? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and then they're like, sure. And then they might have a kid, or they might not. And then they just go their separate ways, or they mm-hmm. might live together if they want to, or you know, it's yeah, very, it's very freewheeling, sexually very... liberal. Yeah. And they talk about like in their youth, everyone experiments, and he's like, yeah, I had sex with like, you know, <laughs> it was it was funny because they talk about like them coming of age, and how like even in this sexually free society. The, like all the boys are still like these girls are so distracting. Like even he's like he's like he's and then and they're all like you know we tried to have sex with them and then we tried to have sex with each other and it's still not helping. Like they're still distracting. Like which I think is very funny. It is very funny. And so like that's like part of the society is they like they all they can have sex whenever they want with sort of whoever and sometimes it's like ever it seems like everyone sort of tries you know to have like to have sex with the same gender and then some people yeah. do and stick with it and some people don't and you know it's very interesting and uh bedap is home is a homosexual mm-hmm. um to you to that's what he's referred to in the book yeah. uh uh and uh the section is just like a sentence and it's like shavek knew he was heterosexual and that bedap was a homosexual mm-hmm. um and they sort of enter into like a like a, a very interesting like I mean it's how it's a it's a microcosm of the macrocosm of the Anaris uh society. Like mm-hmm. uh Bedap and Shavek like hanging out with each other. Bedap is gay. Shavek is like, Oh, yeah, we can have sex if it will help. You like, feel yeah, like good. I feel close to you, I wanna be close to you, like, you know. I've done it before. It's usually my thing, but like I can do it with you, and yeah. <laughs> then they do it a little bit, and then they like, and Shevak's like, eh, it's not really my thing. So he's okay. We not. And he's like, okay, we're yeah. still gonna be friends, though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just I don't know. It's it's a very interesting. It's it's uh it's 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 like sweet. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, just being able to. It's like not a big deal for Shavek to be like, sure, I don't care. Like, I have there's no, the, there's no mores. The there's no, yeah, there's like no conceptions or ideas or taboos or institutions around anything regarding human relationships, including yeah. sexual relationships. Which is like, I think what the book and what I agree with personally too is like. That is the part of this utopian society that is good, like the the mm-hmm. social the social part, the way that like the public humiliation one might face when they don't want to do garbage duty is not, I think, yeah, is the the failure of the utopia, which, like I said earlier, um, is a big is a big theme of this. 
But well, and then it comes back to the same issue. Like someone has to do garbage duty, and it can't just be people who. There are only a certain amount of people who are always going to be intrinsically motivated to do garbage duty. Right. Yeah. And so the way they solve it on this planet is they have like rotations where like you know once every ten days, uh, you leave what your normal job is and like go do some menial chore. No- normal job is in what you want. Like even talking what about you it want is weird because it's not like a job. It's like what you if you want to make tables once every ten days, you stop making tables and you go garden. Yeah, or something you like that. You dig a hole. Yeah. And they talk, like, the, the linguistic thing comes up again, because they talk about, like, oh, in Pravic, the word for work or play is the same word, but yeah. there's, like, a whole other word for work that's, like, kind of boring and not fulfilling, and the sort of translation is called, is, uh, referred to as drudgery. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so yeah. it's, like, all the stuff that kind of no one wants to do, but everyone recognizes has to be done, so, like, they'll all be like, sure, I'll take a day off and go yeah you know shovel shit um shivek also this happens earlier but he's really struggling with the idea of like suffering he Mm -hmm. he 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 doesn't really know how to articulate it or or pinpoint why they do anything uh and his leading theory is that it is to alleviate as much pain as possible Mm -hmm. through through brotherhood uh, through pain, they will find brotherhood and sisterhood with each other. Like this, they have to go through this crucible, which they go through every day because they live on this like shit world. <laughs> like mm-hmm. an Aries sucks. It would yeah. suck, but they but they don't on. know anything different. So like it's almost like it almost never comes up. Yeah. Except when they talk about like the economics and the like. Oh, it's like a it's a desert with no grass and no animals. <laughs> yeah, and it's super hot and super cold and mm-hmm. uh, but. He and then he finds himself. Shevek finds himself severely depressed uh, throughout a lot of his adult well, life. Well, I want. Can we go back to the whole the, oh. the pain thing? Because yeah, he yeah, talks yeah. about he's like he's like trying to get to the bottom of like why what is society good for? Like what do we have in common? And he talks about like you know the shared suffering of like existence. And there's a quote where he's like, you know, like we can get rid of this pain or that pain, but not, you know, capital P pain. And sort of like yeah. that is what keeps us together. And the, the idea of the society is like eliminating as many sources of optional pain. Like if you have enough food, why would you have people still starve? <laughs> yeah. Like that yeah. sort of stuff. But the idea that like there's some inherent suffering in being alive like you're gonna deal with pain that no one can help you with but like that is where you know brotherhood and being there for like your fellow human being means something yeah um and that's that's awesome mm-hmm. and even though Shavek feels that way he speaks very bluntly with Badab about like yeah I've thought about suicide <laughs> he's like I think about it every day uh I think about killing myself and it's because he has no one to talk to because he's like the best physicist on his planet and he's like 20. And yes. he, there's no there's no avenues for him to uh, explore his ideas. I think importantly, there is a physics professor at his like the best school on the planet in the main city. And he's sort of like a classic. <laughs> yeah, he's a douchebag. <laughs> But importantly, he has the only avenue to be able to, like, uh, correspond with Uras's, the other planet's, physicist. 
in yep. like their language. So he, so Shavek publishes a paper, and then this guy, his name's like Tabul, I think. He like puts so his Sibul. name on it, Sibul, and he puts his name on the paper and gets credit <laughs> yeah. for it. But then like, and this is very concerning for Shavek because he's never dealt with like this sort of power dynamic. He wants like credit. The idea like credit. that someone, yeah, like credit, but like it's not your idea. Like what does credit get you in this in this society where it doesn't mean anything? But like he gets credit on Uras and like that does something for him. So it's sort of like you sort of see the the toxic traits of the of Uras sort of bleeding into this world, like sort of through the cracks. Yeah, uh, Sabul uh is is uh <laughs> such like he he would have like a big cartoon frown on his face all the time, and he's he's a class A plagiarist because, like Danilo was saying, he's the he is the only uh, <laughs> he is the only means of communicating with the other planet because he can speak the language, and so mm-hmm. whenever he gets physics papers from them, he just translates it into their language and puts his fucking name on it. <laughs> yeah, and and Shebek's the only one who knows because he also reads the language and can read the other papers. And he's like, yeah, Sabul's been like publishing rusty ideas that are thirty years old as new stuff. So like the planet is sort of like backwards in this way. Like there's no progress. And he, the reason he has access to this is because like he has a spot on the the ship that goes back and forth between the planets. And so he can like uh, he has like single handed approval of like what letters can get sent or not. Yeah, because he runs the fucking the federal the syndicate of the physics uh, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the most obvious example of a power dynamic existing in this in mm-hmm. this on this planet because you know if if an Aries was truly how uh, it wants to be, then there should be no reason that. Shavek can't just communicate with the other people but even through like these ideas of brotherhood and 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 relationships and helping each other there is still like deep-seated uh prejudice against a planet of people of whom none of them have ever met each other and and the idea of a hierarchy where like Shavek is better at physics and Sabul knows it but like he also knows that he has something of value and it's not like a thing it's like access yeah you know a thing that Chevek wants and so Chevek's like we have this like trade this exchange which like that's totally foreign concept to him like an exchange of things of value that aren't money it's like Sabul gets ego gratification and Chevek gets you know to communicate his ideas with the other planet and he like struggles like coming to terms with that as a he's like oh but like we're supposed to if we want something we're supposed to like give it freely and get everything freely the 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 other the the other important plot point that happens in this section we mentioned it briefly but all of Shavek's physicist friends are uh spying on him (laughs) (laughs) or government agents either for aio or thu which is a which is where this idea of um, anarcho-syndicalism uh, began. Uh, it's where Odo is from? Is that uh, true? Or, or, or I think it's like... I mean, the, the analog is like the USSR. 
Like yes. it's it's like that world Soviet Russia where like they're a centrally planned economy, the government, like everything's social like they're they're referred to as like a socialist country. And like one of these physicists is an agent from that country. And like he goes where he's told and has to come back. And it's very like it's sort of coded as like the sort of Soviet authoritarianism. Yeah. The Cold War is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're trying to get the reason Shevek has been invited. Um, it is it is sort of revealed to him uh, that it's only because these two different nations. It, well, it's only because the main nation where the university is wants the fucking uh the theory Much of simultaneity yeah yeah and uh the only reason they don't have it yet is like danilo said right at the top shivek hasn't written it down <laughs> he knows it it's just in his head well and like i i also don't know like in the he seems to when it's revealed that like he has it it also like it was unclear to me like whether he knew this is what they wanted all along and the only reason he's here or that's something he learned while he was here. I think it's something he learned. I, th- I think because okay. he is like, oh, I won this award. I get to go and I'm going to go and try to unite our planets. Mm-hmm. And then when it's revealed to him, I don't, I, I think. Or is it something in the back of his head? Like he, because he hasn't written it down. And it also seems like he hasn't written it down on purpose because he knows. Oh, that's sure. The, he like, like you think part of him knows. That, like, this is the only thing he has to hold over them that he can yeah. use to bring these two planets together. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's, I think think it's it can be both. But he also seems naive. Yeah, he's an incredibly naive person. But he doesn't seem all that surprised. Surprise. Yeah. I mean, he, like, he stiffens when he learns the information. But I think that, that might attribute to your point that, like, yeah, he probably did know or, like, had a sneaking suspicion that they were going to... Or just his baseline is so... Like to trust other people and take them at face value because that's all he's ever known. And he has to like, I think this comes up where he he has to like remember to be suspicious or remember to be like, oh, these people are driven by motivations that I'm not driven by and can't comprehend. It's funny. This is sort of unrelated, but he talks about he was like trying to learn like economics. He like went to a mall and was (laughs) extremely distressed and never wanted to do it again (laughs) because he's like, these people are buying a bunch of useless stuff and none of it, none of the people who make it are selling it. Uh, There's all just people. These no one here has any relationship to the objects uh, except as buyers and sellers. The the it's he sees a suit that is eight thousand units of the currency, and and then he learns that like the yearly salary is like two thousand units. <laughs> yeah, the median. Yeah, and he just like goes home and is incredibly like he's like I <laughs> I'll do everything in my power to never go shopping ever again. <laughs> which hey, I <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, I was like, I was in New York City one time, and I just like I went with a friend, and we decided to go like Saks Fifth Avenue or like oh my God. Bergdorf <laughs> or like Bergdorf's or something. Which is, I think it was insane that they just let me walk in there in like a T-shirt. Like I was already yeah. like, I don't belong here. And then I saw a coat that cost twenty four thousand dollars. That was insane. I'm like, I can't d- touch that. <laughs> But and well, and then it describes Shavek trying to learn. He's like, I try. He's he tried to learn like the basics of like economic theory. And I think the quote. Do you remember this? I think the yeah. the, the quote. He's like, 
reading it was like uh he said it was like the operations of capitalism were as meaningless to him as the rights of a primitive religion as barbaric <laughs> as elaborate as unnecessary and he talks yeah. about reading economics he said it felt like listening to someone inter- interminably recounting a long and stupid dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah which i think is great because there's so many things in the world where you're like what what are you even talking about you know yeah especially like economics like but you're not following the rules of supply and you're like what are you talking yeah, you about shut like up. it's it's <laughs> it's so like putting the cart before the horse like oh yeah the economics causes this action versus like this is human motivations yeah. and you're attributing things to it and it's the same with like you know wars like i've always thought about this like when like wars happen you're like why don't they just not, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's how Shavek thinks about everything. He's like, yeah. hey, how like, come why they... would you? Because, like, yeah. the, the values, the value structure and the motivation structure in his head is just, it's just so foreign. The idea of value and resources and scarcity and possession, like, yeah. don't mean anything to him. So why would you do any of the things that further those things? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's everything that happens in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we're, we are uh, classically under time here, uh, <laughs> but wait, you know, we're not as angry as we have been in the past. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it is like, it's a huge theme heavy book and a yeah. lot of the, the, the main, I know in our last shows, we kept dumping dunking on Brandon Sanderson for nothing happening and it only being like lore reveals and like that's sort of what's happening in this book (laughs) yeah but it's good but it's like good (laughs) yeah because the ideas are interesting and it's written well yeah the ideas and it's like we've talked a lot about the ideas but like it is ultimately how these ideas affect human beings and like the souls of human beings and the relationships between human beings and like human well-being and all that and like it's so clear that like that's what she cares about like yeah you know it's not utopian idealism you know whether anarchism or anarchy or capitalist like for its own sake because it's like a pure ideal it's like you know ultimately it's because it's because of what the effect it has on people you know good or ill and like that's what she is interested in exploring. Yeah, she's not interested in uh, talking about Alamancy, which is weird, you know? Because <laughs> Alamancy's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think that's all... I mean, we could talk... I mean, it's, it's you know, we could talk for hours, but it would just, at some point, spin off into talking about the, the ideas presented in the book and not really mm-hmm. the book itself. Right. Which, which yeah. I mean, is is a worthy conversation to have, but I think n- not always the the point of this particular podcast. Or or, or not, um, you know, we're only halfway through the book. You know, like I'll, yeah, I imagine next like, week will it, be longer. It feels like a lot of these ideas are like you know put out there as here's the thing to think about. Yeah, um, that are sort of self contained in this section, and some of them like you know it'll be more clear how the book feels about them and how we how. Like Gwen wants us to think about it, like as the book uh, develops. Yeah. Do you have uh, any final final thoughts, Danilo? I don't think so. I have, I have my notes set up as like in 
like themes. Uh, sure. But like, I think I've almost said everything. I yeah, I've to. I've mentioned everything I have wa- I have wanted to say. So I also want to I want to make one last note on this book is also just like beautifully written. Oh my god, yeah. It's... <laughs> like she like she knows when to be like. And now we're just gonna have a beautiful section where like two human beings are like wrapped in each other's arms and the moon is shining on them and they talk about like uh existence <laughs> and it's yeah. like that's not that has nothing to do with like ah, capitalism and money is bad it's just like here's a beautiful human thing yeah it's it's incredible i wanted to read this the uh, uh uh sort of a sort of a larger section here but just to illustrate how this this, this book is written this struck me as uh, uh like i I don't know. This I feel like this is going to this particular passage is going to uh, stick with me for a while. So if you will indulge me, um, let's think about it. Yes, I'll, <laughs> yes, I'll indulge you, Mac. I'll indulge you. Uh, he was alone here because he came from a self-exiled society. He had always been alone on his own world because he had exiled himself from his society. The settlers had taken one step away. He had taken two. He stood by himself because he had taken the metaphysical risk, and he had been fool enough to think that he might serve to bring two worlds to which he did not belong. The blue of the night sky outside the windows drew his eyes. Over the vague darkness of foliage and the tower of the chapel, above the dark line of the hills which at night always seemed smaller and more remote, a light was growing, a large soft radiance. Moonrise, he thought, with a grateful sense of familiarity. There is no break in the wholeness of time. He had seen the moon rise when he was a little child from the window of the domicile in wide plains with Palat, over the hills of his boyhood, over the dry plains of the dust, over the roofs of Abenay with Tokfer watching it beside him. But it had not been this moon. The shadows moved about him, but he sat unmoving as Aenerys rose above the alien hills at her full mottled dun and bluish white lambent. The light of his world filled his empty hands. So that is the book Good we're shit. reading. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of shit we're we're reading on fucking hardcover hooligans, <laughs> baby. Uh, and also, uh, we didn't talk about Tokfer. She's she's not really in this section, but uh, is Bede- or nope is uh, Shavek's, um muse is his. Uh, I I don't wife is not the right like they do form that sort of relationship, but they're mm-hmm. not like legally married or anything. Yeah, it's like they're it's their long term partner. Like they have a. They have kids. One of the chapters is about how they meet, which is very yeah. sweet. And, like, it's just, like, a straightforward, you know, two people falling in love. They just happen to be in an anarchist society. It's great. <laughs> and I believe we know that it doesn't work out because uh, – or, or or she – well, yeah, because isn't in the sections uh, of the – like, in the future, he talks about, like, yeah, I used to have a thing, but I don't know. Oh, I don't remember that. I could be wrong. Which, I, I thought dude, he felt because he like he had because when he was teaching he was so bored. He's like I have never had this much time to work on stuff because my life is so full back at home. He's like oh, I so have we, my oh, family oh. and my wife and kids and other responsibilities. Oh okay, I must have misinterpreted that then. Never mind. That that's cool. You, you could be right because I don't. Know. I'd be really well. I hope nah. that'd be really they're sad. Like, they're like soulmates. <laughs> yes, and the plot, they are. And the plot is like she met him like in college. And he didn't remember her, and she like knew he she was his soulmate. And then they like they met later, and he like forgot her name. And then yes. like then he realized that they were soulmates. <laughs> it felt really bad. Yeah, they have this moment where they're sitting uh, outside a campsite, and Shavek's like, 
oh, I love you. And she's like, dude. <laughs> he, he's like, I, I, she's like, I've loved you for three years. <laughs> when I met you the one time. You didn't remember yeah. my name today. <laughs> he's like, yeah, sorry about that. I'm, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> busy being a, a goofy, lanky <laughs> physicist. Yeah, so for the next time on, on, hard, on Hardcover Hooligans, if you're reading along, I think we're just going to finish the book. There's no... Yep. Uh, It'd be weird to split it up into another episode, Mm -hmm. uh, which is chapter seven through the end. And next week, we're going to talk about the book as a whole, I think, and the chapters we read. So what are, Mac, what are your called shots on what's going to happen? I already gave you mine that Uras is controlling the, all the computers to try to, to try to limit descent so that they keep getting their cheap mining. I think that, uh, I, I'm going to keep this vague. I think that his it's not going to work. He's not going to unite the two planets again. And I don't know how this uh there's a conversation with a character in this book who wants to use the uh faster than light travel as a conquering tool to present themselves as gods to lesser societies. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think that that is how the uh cuz this book was written in 1971 uh the Cold War Vietnam, you know. Uh, yep. I think that's how it will be used. I don't think it's going to be used for good. I think that Shebeck's gonna... I don't think he has it. Oh, really? I just thought, yeah, I don't think he has it. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. This book, like... God. Man, it... it it's so good. <laughs> I, like, I don't even care. Like, seriously, nothing could happen for the rest of the book, like, plot-wise. And as, if it's just written like this, presented with these ideas the whole time, I'm in. We've we've read 190 pages. There's, like, this is one book. I've gotten more out of this, like, 190 pages than I have out of, you know, a thousand pages of yeah. some other books we might <laughs> we yeah. have read recently. Yeah, it's it's... It's 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 awesome. If you're not reading along, um, you're missing out. If, yeah, and, if and it's you've not already long. Read it, it's like short. No. It's like a it clips along. The structure yeah. makes it super readable. Like it alternates between what like quote unquote present day and the flashback. And yeah, it's paced very it's well. It's very it's very clear. You know, it's not like super sci fi. There's some like nouns you have to learn, but it's know. fine. Yeah. And uh, you know that not some of your money is going to go to the Mormon church if you buy a copy. So that's helpful. And that is only because Ursula Le Guin is dead. <laughs> yeah. Huge devout Mormon Ursula K. Le Guin was. <laughs> yeah, she died recently, didn't she? Like 2018. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. She wrote so many fucking books. Yeah. She's awesome. She is awesome. And it's just, it's just like... She was wow, awesome before it? I had ever read any of her books. Like I, I know, knew she yeah. was like I'd read some essays. This is like my first actual book of hers I'm I've read. Yeah. Um but like yeah, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to like, this, this to... is what this is what books are about, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This uh I, I I also just uh I I think this book takes place in the the Hain. So that that is mentioned in this the Hainish people mm-hmm. that is like the I can't believe I'm about to say this. Oh, I know what you're saying. The Cosmere of uh, <laughs> of uh, the the interconnectedness. There's like a bunch of books set in this universe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, literally, like, universe, like, planetary systems. Um, and this is just one of them, where human being. The, the gimmick is that, uh, to quote this, uh, I don't know what this is sourced on, from uh, Wikipedia, uh, the Hainish, uh, this particularly true in the story set in the Hainish universe, an alternate reality in which humans did not evolve on Earth, but on Hain. Uh, huh. It's where the left hand of darkness takes place in this world. The dispossessed. Um, there's a bunch of them. They're not in any order. You can read it. Does, like Shavek is not the main character of the Hainish universe. So just read whatever <laughs> you want. It's not about him being the chosen one. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> he's just some loser. But I love him. He's not set up to succeed. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> there's no. Uh, there's no two thief meetings in this book. <laughs> there are a lot of meetings, but. <laughs> they're uh they're all relevant and interesting yes <laughs> yes and Shavak so highly... has yet to punch a dog in the head yes there's no punching the dog so far uh so i highly suggest reading this book if you are not reading it um that's all for today folks uh if you have any uh questions i think there's an email in the yeah. description yeah, yeah. hardcover hooligans at gmail.com if you have any questions if it's about the book i don't just, just look it up <laughs> yeah, just look it up. You'll be all right. Uh, but if you have any suggestions or uh, stuff th- uh, you want to yell at us, what we said about Mistborn, <laughs> go ahead and send it to us there because uh, all press is good press, baby. And if uh, we get enough of it, we will do a whole podcast on it, and I think that'd be really oh, fun. you're damn right we will. We'll invite you on. Fuck it. I, I got nothing to lose. 